Hey everyone, I'm Kellen Erskine. And I'm David Vance. Welcome to The Book Pile. Happy New Year! Thought we are going to say that at the same time. So over the holidays, Dave and I threw together this end-of-the-year episode for you. We hope you enjoy it. First, I'm going to list off my five favorite books that we covered on the podcast in 2021. Then Dave is going to list off his five favorite books that he read in 2021 that we haven't covered yet. Dave just tends to read a lot of extra books. And then after that, we've included a previously unreleased 10 more minutes of the best moments from our lost episode. That is the rough audio that was recovered from our botched live recording of the Roast of New Moon. It's a lot of fun. There's even a short Q&A at the end. As usual, please rate and subscribe. Enjoy this episode and come back next Monday as well for a full episode where we roast the Da Vinci Code. Finally, if you want to see me live, I'll be headlining the San Francisco Punchline January 20th through the 22nd. Go to punchlinecomedy.com. All right, and without further ado, here are the five books that affected me the most in 2021. Number five is Leonardo da Vinci. I love this biography so much. Just a thorough history about an insatiably curious procrastinator. I <laughs> I just love that it's it's essentially the most flawed self-help book. <laughs> Never commit to one project. Bounce from thing to thing. Look for a patron who will pay you money to do whatever you want. <laughs> I just, yeah, I love that it was rather than a traditional book in that genre, which it's not, it's, you know, it's a biography, rather than like a perfect expert telling you everything you should do, you just learn what to do and what not to do from the most renaissance of all renaissance men. For example. Promise you can deliver war machines you have never made. (laughs) Here's a quick one too. For example, what to do. Write stuff backwards in a notebook so no one can figure out your secrets. What not to do? Don't tell anyone about your discoveries anyway. (laughs) All right, number four for me is To Kill a Mockingbird. So I had not read To Kill a Mockingbird since I was a teenager. This book made me cry more than any other fiction book this year, other than Dune, but that was just because of the dust. (laughs) I was thinking thinking it'd be so awesome to stay on theme. Would any customers question it? Like if you went into Barnes and Noble before anyone got there and just like poured sand on the Dune series. (laughs) And hid a carnivorous snake in that sand. (laughs) (laughs) So I just think that To Kill a Mockingbird does all the things that we've talked about over the last year characters that we care about, motivations that make sense, seeds baked in early that pay off later. It's just by far my favorite book by Truman Capote. Not going to take the bait. (laughs) Book number three for me is The Checklist Manifesto. This is a book that's 250 pages written about the single idea that prioritized checklists are helpful. Because that one time that you forgot your pants on a business trip can create a disaster, a very avoidable disaster. So I recently went back and listened to all of our episodes. And surprisingly, I would put this 
within the top three funniest. And honestly, like I don't say this about any of our other books, but after listening to the episode on this one, you really don't have to read it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Book number two is The Power of Moments. So this one has really influenced me and my wife's approach to family events and creating new ones, uh, uh, including that we each of us made up holidays for the year. And I just wanted for anyone who listened to the episode and was disappointed in my idea of present day, which didn't mean gift day and meant staying in the present, <laughs> I actually changed it to... Hobbit birthday. So September 29th is Bilbo and Frodo's birthdays. So we celebrated those. That's Um, great. And then did you disappear and walk out on all of them? (laughs) Actually, it was uh, September 22nd. Please don't email me. (laughs) And so all of the food was also Hobbit themed. So either something a hobbit would eat or just a pun on Lord of the Rings. <laughs> so he had a plate of crackers and cheese and pita bread, which is like that elf lembus. But we also had sweet and sauron chicken. <laughs> and finally, the number one book of the year for me was Quiet. So this is the book about introverts and extroverts. Oh, I thought you were just going to sit in silence after that moment. <laughs> This book made me cry more than any of the books. But quietly. (laughs) Sometimes because it was, I related so strongly with so many of the examples of tendencies of introverts. Um, But a lot of the tears were happy ones too, because this book, it just finally gave me permission to be okay with myself. And if you're introverted, it's okay to be more comfortable with seclusion. It's okay to generally be more self-reflective and to value things like quiet walks, you know, with one close friend rather than feeling inadequate by never being the life of a party. One thing I didn't mention when we covered the book is the idea that you read sometimes in an obituary or that you hear when someone is relaying the memory of someone who's passed is they'll say, you know, that cliche, they just lit up every room that they walked into. And it was just always hard for me because I am not that person, unless it's a very small room with one of my friends in it. (laughs) (laughs) Or you walk in not realizing that they're watching a movie, so you... I am not the life of the party. I do stand-up comedy, but to me, that's very different. What I'm trying to say is that I don't feel sad at funerals anymore. I guess, is that the right way to say this? (laughs) It's not going to be said at mine, and I'm okay with that now. So that was it. They're great books and great episodes to listen to. All right, so here are my top five books I read this year that we did not cover. Number one, The Three-Body Problem by Leo Tsishin. So this is a sci-fi trilogy that I can't stop thinking about, and I don't want to give anything away, but when I recommend it to people, they either find it fascinating or weird and boring. (laughs) And it's being adapted for Netflix by the Game of Thrones guys, so get ready to love the first 80% of it. (laughs) I'm very excited for it because you did recommend it to me, and it is incredible. The second book has the most amazing, satisfying ending of any book I've ever read. 
I have more faith that the creators of Game of Thrones will do justice to this series because at least they have all of the source material. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like if Benioff and Weiss are amazing DMX bike riders, at least this time the road is finished. <laughs> <laughs> The last couple seasons of Game of Thrones is like that moment in that one Wallace and Gromit short where the dog (laughs) is on the front of the electric train and he is throwing down track in front of him as he's going. (laughs) Like, I hope this ends up in a good place. (laughs) All right, number two, The Age of Surveillance Capitalism by Shoshana Zuboff. So I told that to my girlfriend, and she's like, did you pick any books that are fun? (laughs) (laughs) So this is a book about how much Google and Facebook spy on you, and it got me to change a lot of the privacy features I use on my phone and computer. So this book is fun if you think behavior change is fun. Number three, Contagious by Jonah Berger. So if you're a creator or entrepreneur and you want your creation to spread, this is an amazing book of ideas for how to get good word of mouth. And I'm embarrassed to say, I still have not applied those lessons to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) All right, number four, The Color of Money by Mercer Baradaran. So this is a book about the racial wealth gap in America and many of the policies that helped contribute to it. And it was super well-researched. So a great stocking stuffer. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing says everything else was sold out like a book on economic policy history. (laughs) All right, my number five, the BBC Radio Shakespeare Tragedies. So I read Shakespeare in high school and liked it okay. And then I reread some of it this year and loved it. And I'm not sure if that means I'm now wiser or just more boring. (laughs) So this one is like Shakespeare's greatest hits. It's got Hamlet, Macbeth, King Lear, Othello, Romeo and Juliet. And then it ends on the one you care about the least, Cymbeline. (laughs) It's a real sacking of the Shire moment. Anyway, Shakespeare is uh, a a good writer. That's your Rotten Tomatoes quote. (laughs) All right. And before we get to the live portion, just a quick further peek into 2022. This year, we'll also be doing episodes on The Hunger Games. We'll cover some Faulkner, Virginia Woolf, and Michael Crichton. You know, that famous literary trio. (laughs) A biography of Einstein. We'll finish up the Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings series. And we'll do a lot more roasts, including James Bond. And now, here's some of that poor quality recovered audio from our live podcast, The Roast of the Twilight Saga, New Moon. Make sure you've got some great headphones turned up. And we'll see you next week with the roast of The Da Vinci Code. And this is the book pod. All right, just want to welcome our uh, audience uh, here. Uh, by the way, if there's anyone in the audience who hasn't rated or reviewed the podcast, uh, you can go ahead and do that right now. <laughs> All right, while you're doing that... Uh, Here are five lessons that we took from the Twilight Saga, New Moon. 
or as I call it, Bella's Furry Rebound. <laughs> There's one part of the book that Cindy like shows how little control that she has. Uh, and so this is directly from the epilogue. Quote, let her go, Jacob growled. She wants me. Edward pushed me behind himself. No, Edward, I said. Isabel Swan, said Charlie. If you're not inside this house in one minute. So there's like three guys. They're all telling her what to do. And they're the three men that she loves the most. I want to do a science experiment where you take out every line where Bella talks or acts and see if the plot changes. <laughs> yeah, it's like she thinks the problem with the breakup is that he was a vampire, where the problem with the breakup is that she has no personality outside of this man, and when he left, it was like someone put down a puppet. <laughs> Lesson two, deal with stuff in an unhealthy way. <laughs> and eventually, it'll just correct itself. So Dave, I wanted to ask you, that is, that is what we did with uh, Stalin. Someone <laughs> <laughs> just say too soon. When does the window on Stalin jokes open? <laughs> So, this book does that thing you see in movies sometimes, where you see the side of someone's face and it looks beautiful, but then they turn their face and the other half is like terribly scarred. And I want to make a movie where you see half of someone's face and it's beautiful, but then they turn to you and the other half is twice as beautiful. <laughs> in the Phantom of the Opera, it's like, are you even more impressed? <laughs> That's the Emily Young character, right? The, that's the crazy thing to me, too, is that with all the uh, sexist tropes that you mentioned before, is that when Bella isn't doing those things, she's literally hanging out with Emily while she cooks and cleans like she's Snow White of the Werewolves. <laughs> I also love that repeatedly they think if someone sees them in the sun, it's all up. And we would all just be like, oh, it's a weirdo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's just their thing. Yeah, like putting glitter on yourself has never been a trend. <laughs> I regret those two people I stabbed with a wooden stake in the 90s. <laughs> that was, I was kidding. <laughs> so speaking of Edward being controlling, at one point, he opens Bella's birthday gift for her. Because he doesn't think uh, she could do it without hurting herself. <laughs> so then Bella says, quote, Are you sure I can handle lifting the lid? And then she says, But he ignored me. <laughs> so if we did the bella list test, even her birthday gift would get open. <laughs> At one point, Bella says to Jacob, wait a minute, are you legal yet? And it's like, oh, now this concept is important to you? It is never, it came to your thought when you were a minor dating a centenarian. So here's a random fact. Someone in their 50s is called a quinquagenarian. 
Doesn't that sound massively older than a centenarian? Or like an alien? That's another word I'm going to use. It just means that someone in like uh, between 50 and 59. So now I can't wait till I'm So when I see my age, I'll be like, here's a hint, I'm a quinquagenarian. And you'll only know what that means if you listen to this one podcast. So I did some math. Edward is four generations older than Noah. And there are some states where you can marry your second cousin once you're moved, or it's your first cousin once you're moved, it's something like that. You can marry someone who shares 12% of your DNA. So Edward could be her direct ancestor, and they would still not be forbidden from dating on Instagram. <laughs> well, this podcast had a great run. <laughs> By the way, isn't it fun how no one was surprised when Dave opened that with, I did some math. <laughs> That's how I start every date. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if we could have the, the house lights up, uh, we'll do a Q&A. If there's any, uh, any questions. It sounds like you started out thinking you were going to do non-fiction and then kind of shifted. What, what went into that? So, I read mostly fiction and Dave reads mostly non-fiction. So what, in, what, what it went into is that I wanted to talk about some books that I liked. <laughs> <laughs> I want to just dry, in-depth economics books. <laughs> yeah, we just wanted to, to open it up because we thought, you know, at some point we'll, we'll probably run out of books. <laughs> Next year we're, we're going to start with coloring books. <laughs> that can be a normal one or a roast, depending on the kit. <laughs> Any other questions? Oh, our favorite thing about each other? Aww. My mother-in-law asked me about this when I was dating her daughter. <laughs> but it was more like a hard question for her daughter. <laughs> uh, I think he's just a good guy and a good friend, and uh, I like that he does the editing. <laughs> I love that I just found out how shallow our relationship is. So uh, Dave, Dave is the one of the two most articulate people that, that I've ever met, and so that was something that struck me about him. When we were having conversations, I just felt like I felt like I was smarter just being in the conversation with him. So I was like, why don't we, uh, why don't we make a podcast and then, you know, I'll look like I finished college. <laughs> so I kind of feel like a tool now. <laughs> Never go first. <laughs> <laughs> any, any, any other questions? Uh, Over here. Oh, okay. If you guys were going to write books, what would they be about? If you were going to write books, what would they be about? I mean, I'm working on a graphic novel with my brother right now. It's uh, it's like sci-fi meets Calvin and Hobbes meets Harry Potter. <laughs> Just trying to get as many bases. <laughs> I tried, I actually wrote a novel that no one will ever see. I may have mentioned it on a podcast, and it's about a stand-up comedian who comes up with his greatest bits when he is uh, being stalked at night. <laughs> <laughs> so it's sort of a, 
sort of like a scary comedy, you know? Sort of like unintentionally how Twilight turned out. 